You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. Hello there and welcome to this week's uh, Momentum. It is Tim with you and uh, once again, Des, of course, my co-host. How are you today, Des? You good? I'm good. Thank you very much. Great to be on board. Uh, Momentum is, of course, a men's show by men for men. And we'd love you to check out the website, get some more details about why we exist. MomentumAustralia.org is the website. You can also check out uh, some previous episodes of the show too. We've covered a vast range of topics in Momentum. And we'd love your thoughts, feedback, questions if you have them. And, of course, your support too. We are a not-for-profit organization and ministry and if you'd like to pledge some dollars to keep us on the air that would be awesome thank you momentumaustralia.org is the website for details also you can check out last week's chat with our guest again this week who is rob furlong rob it's great to have you back in the studio good to be back tim so rob is currently the senior pastor of woodvale baptist church in perth uh, he's uh, pastored several other churches around the nation prior to that and been a pastoral consultant at baptist churches of wa he's married to karen they have four kids 15 grandkids and Rob has spoken on the radio about all sorts of different things over the years. And uh, Rob doesn't mind talking about topics that, you know, some people perhaps avoid or tiptoe around. And Rob, you've done that recently in the church. And the topic that you uh, discussed for a few weeks was sexual issues confronting Christians today. Yep. And, you know, we've in the backstory, we've talked about this is a this is a massive thing in the church and something that perhaps we haven't handled well. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts as we unpack this over the next half an hour. But let me start by asking you this. What prompted you to do this topic and why now? It's come out of a great concern. I think primarily, Tim, it's not just what's happening in our culture. That's one reason. The, the way our culture is going and the way in which our culture talks about sexual issues and, and what our culture says is right and wrong. But I have a particular concern as well, is that not only, I mean, our our culture, we would expect it. The culture is going to go against God. My concern is the increasing number of Christians in the church who I think Mm. are actually starting to backtrack on these issues. Mm. I don't mind people rethinking stuff. I think we should always rethink things. But my concern is that increasingly, and I've seen it amongst Christian parents uh, particularly, who a conservative, Bible-believing Christians, but a son or a daughter comes home and says, I'm gay or whatever, it, it might be going on, that challenges the parents' thinking. No dramas with that. Mm. But then there's a complete overthrow of what they believed before. So prior to that, it was uh, homosexuality is sinful, it's wrong. Now we accept you know, my daughter, my son is in this situation uh, and there's a complete turnaround. So my concern on this issue is it's not actually I don't want people to believe what I believe. What I want to do is to get people back to the scriptures. What is the Bible saying? And what mm. are you, Because there's something, there's something inherently wrong. If a person believes one thing and then it changes like that, mm. I'm, I'm asking the question, what are your beliefs grounded on? And so the purpose of this series was to say, what does the Bible say? Let's look at it honestly and let's draw some conclusions from that. Okay. Can I ask, what was the response from your congregation? Actually, the I would say the number one response was, we're praying for you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, I had that said to me on a few occasions, and that, I found that very encouraging. And I also had comments along the lines of saying, we think you're very brave. And I want to put this into a context I did not set out with this series to pick a fight. I 
I, I don't look at myself as being particularly brave. I, I have a, a heart here. I want to teach people the scriptures. I think we need to get serious about this in the church. And so all I wanted to do was as honestly as I could and with integrity, open up the scriptures and let's look at it and let's see what God is saying. Hmm. Yeah, Rob, the interesting thing is, or I guess the key thing is, what is underpinning the discussion you have? So underpinning the discussion is God's love, God's grace, uh, everything around our Heavenly Father. And, and you know, God teaches us, Jesus taught us to love each other. And that doesn't mean we accept lifestyle that people have, but it means that we understand, we care, we love, and that underpins the discussion we're about to have. Isn't that true? Absolutely. I keep coming back, and I did in the series over and over again, to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. And James Parker, who some of you guys, or you guys might know or might not know, he talks, he uses the word mercy, hmm. which is, you know, obviously an outflow yes. of love. But if you look at 1 Corinthians 6, so initially you think, oh, this is a really negative passage of Scripture. But Paul actually isn't singling any one individual out. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. But he's just listing there a bunch of sexual sins. But look at what he says in the next verse, verse 10. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. He's not singling out one particular class of people. Mm -hmm. In fact, the word is, it reads literally, do you not know that unrighteous will not... So it's, it's, not a, it's, it's talking about them as a class of people. It's not mm. saying, you rotten sinner. Rob, can I jump in there and ask you this? Do you think that it's not necessarily our beliefs that are the problem, but the way that we respond to people? In other words, we can have the belief of this is what the Bible says and, and we remain steadfast in that. But sometimes our response to people who are struggling in this area or come and say that they've, you know, they're struggling with their gender or they've, they've become, you know, they, they've determined that they're, they're, they're homosexual or something like that. Is it then that our response can be one of such black and whiteness that we ruin the relationship or we sever the relationship as opposed to actually keep our belief but keep our love on too? How much of a problem do you think that is? Both are actually intimately connected. I'll come back to that in a minute. Absolutely, and I think you mentioned some terms there or you referred to some ways in which people do respond like severing a relationship mm. and mm. some of the other terms that have been used. That comes back to what we are talking about before about love and mercy and those concepts. I think there is a misunderstanding in terms of what love is. You referred to it, Des, a minute ago about uh, love doesn't mean we affirm the lifestyle. Mm. I, I said this in the series, for goodness sakes, if a murderer comes to church and says he's got a problem murdering people, and some people have that violent streak, and whatever is going on in that guy's life, are we going to say, you know, it's great if you kill the odd person here and there, that doesn't matter, but as long as we love you and you know you belong to Jesus, everything's good. Of course we're not going to do that. Mm. No. But people no. have confused love with acceptance. Yes. That now comes back to your first part of the question. That actually affects belief mm. because well, what is your understanding about what the Bible says about love? What is your understanding about what the Bible says about these sexual issues and any other issue? And so it, it actually, the belief thing is obviously going to be influenced. It's not just by preachers, but it comes back to the church and its preaching and teaching 
uh, issue. When I preached the first series, or the first in this series, The Case for Morality, which was just a biblical case for morality and sexuality, I had one guy say to me, and this is not uncommon, I've heard this over the years, he said that's only the second time in 60 years in church I've heard a message on that. Wow. So, yeah. Why is there a problem with people's belief? Because we haven't been teaching it. Mm. And I've been doing mm. this for, I've been in ministry over 35 years. I've addressed this stuff from my early days in ministry. Why? Because as a young guy sitting in church, I knew the message was that sex before marriage is wrong. Mm. Okay, I knew that message. But nobody ever told me why. Mm from a biblical perspective, but there's good biblical reasons. So the message has got to be, here's why. People still think today that God hates sex. No, he doesn't. Have you read the Song of Solomon? Mm. (laughs) God doesn't hate sex. But we've had so many weird teachings out there that that's influenced people's belief. And then, of course, when that belief is challenged, Mm. I think it's very easy to tip over into the area of acceptance. Right. Because you want to be loving. And it's interesting, isn't it, with the, the Catholic Church and the Catholic Church's background and, you know, the, the priests and so forth. I mean, they they were very regimented in terms of criticism and judging and so forth. And, and you know, we see that come through in many churches today where it's the same thing. You know, it's we're going to judge you before we love you. Yeah. Well, I, I go back to, and the, I, I would not be a part of this now, but I, I go back 40 years mm. when I was a young guy in church before I went to college. And at that point in New South Wales, the government was starting to decriminalise homosexual acts. And mm. so we had a big stand against it. Now, look, I know I know the argument. I know that lots of doors have been opened with the whole gay rights agenda. That's a whole other discussion. But at the time, we were against it as a church. We're signing petitions and all this sort of stuff. But here's the thing. And, and bearing in mind that the society we live in, I don't agree with homosexuality. I don't. I, I, the Bible clearly says it's a sin. But should we be throwing a person in jail because of what they're doing in private? Like, do, do you hear what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This is where the love and the mercy and the understanding has got to come in. Mm. And so how I would approach that today is very different to back then. It doesn't mean that I'm accepting of that either. But then, of course, what's happened is it's it's the the bracket creep, if you like, that's that's gone on mm. with this whole agenda. Mm. And so the, the push has been for more and more stuff. And there is a there is a whole, believe me, there's a whole agenda behind that. I can remember 30 years ago, Bob Santa Maria giving a, 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 one of his talks on TV late one night and he made a quote, or he had a quote from a homosexual activist who said, we will... Basically, the agenda was we're going to actively sodomize your young men and to destroy the family. What better way, guys, to destroy the family than by completely redefining what marriage is? Mm. Haven't you, you don't have to actually just tear down mum and dad. What better way to destroy marriage and family by saying marriage is for anyone? Mm. Like, you see the agenda? Yeah, yeah. Rob, let's, let's paint a couple of scenarios um, because I think these are real-world scenarios, and, and let's see if we can get your response on this and your take on this. So, for example, you, you mentioned there that over the years for you, your your response to certain things has changed. And so let's say that you as a pastor now, you have people step into your church who are homosexual, for example. How do you navigate that for you as a pastor, for your congregation, 
as a man, as a father, as a grandfather, you know, what what's your response knowing that people like, you know, could be in your congregation who have that sexual orientation? So at the end of this series, which the final message I preached on this was from moving from I world to our world. It's a term coined by Dale Keane, who's written a book, Sex in the I world. The I world is the world that we live in today. It's all about me. Hmm. He says we need to move, we need to construct relationship world. And the church is the the best avenue for that. So you're talking about deep relationships. You're talking about Hmm. honest, open communication and acceptance and love. So as I preached that message, the thing I, I, I did say, I said, I read out a statement by the Baptist Union, which I won't refer to now, but that, I think, sits where we are. And I said, look, as a church, I said, if if a gay couple starts attending our church, I said, we want to accept them. I said, that's going to take us into challenging waters. I think some Mm. of this we're going to be working out as we go. Mm. As a pastor, they they start coming to church, I want them to be there. And I've had Mm. kind of... I've been challenged by this. Uh, as I've, I've had these things come up in my ministry. I had a young guy who came to me once. He was struggling with being gay. He was making, from memory, he was making a choice to, con- not to continue in a lifestyle, but it was it was a big issue for him. And so we stepped him out of leadership in the ministry that he was involved in. But he said, because he was only relatively new as a Christian, but he said, uh, should I stop coming to church? I said, absolutely not, hmm. because I want him there under the sound of the gospel every week. Hmm. So I made that really clear. Hey, we're taking you out of leadership. I don't think that's appropriate, but we're not banning you from the church, hmm. not by a long not by a long shot. Sadly, he left the church and then went and spread around that he'd been kicked out, and that's, the other, that's a whole other story. Right. But that wasn't the case. Mm. But it, it's got to be one of love and acceptance. But there are going, it's got to also understand there are going to be certain areas where people can't step into into the life of the church. But that would be the same for other problems. This is not just about homosexual or trans people. There's a whole bunch of other issues here of sinful lifestyles. The, the, the whole point of the gospel is it calls us to transformation. Hmm and to change Mm. and we will work with you on that journey let's take a break and we're going to come back in the second half of this and explore this Uh, can can we can we perhaps look at from a father's perspective sure and from a man's perspective uh, and I'll explain that a little bit more on the other side of this break but I think let's go into some actual scenarios here that men might be facing right now and I even right now in my life am facing to some degree Um, So let's share that on the other side of this break. We are, uh, this is Momentum. You are listening to Momentum Australia. And uh, you can check out the website for details, momentumaustralia.org. We'd love your thoughts and feedback there. You can check out previous shows uh, of Momentum as well, momentumaustralia.org. We're back with Rob Furlong in just a moment. Welcome back to Momentum, uh, momentumaustralia.org, the website. You can check out details there. But our special guest this week is Rob Furlong. And we're talking uh, the topic, sexual issues confronting Christians today. And Rob has recently addressed this in his church. And so we're exploring, Rob, how you've handled this. This is a a huge topic in life in general, uh, particularly in the Christian movement, but particularly in the church as well. And so it's really interesting getting your perspective on some of these these issues that we, we are confronted with. Um, and I said before the break, let's let's look at some scenarios, um, because the reality is that for those of us and all of us, all three of us on this call are, you know, almost fifty and above, um, and so we are from a different generation. But we are now looking at parenting kids and grandkids 
who are growing up in today's society and it's radically different mm. from society when we were kids. How do we navigate that as parents and grandparents moving forward, knowing that our kids are then growing up in society that can tell them that they can potentially choose a gender mm. or, you know, being this way is, is there's nothing wrong with this or encouraging that to some degree. And, and for us, that's a, that's a huge paradigm shift at our age and generationally. How do you think we handle this well? The first thing I want to say is I actually think that men, men, and particularly men in families have an, and, you know, whatever find that family dynamic you have, whether you're at home with the kids or there could be separation or stuff, I still think that the man has a key role here to play with his kids and his mm. grandchildren in terms of speaking into it. Because I think that's one of yeah. the issues we've got is the complete sidelining of the male voice. Hmm. The male voice needs to speak into this. So I want to say to you guys today, you have a crucial role in this. How do we go about it? The second thing I will say is that Ephesians 4 talks about speaking the truth in love. Hmm. So there's two, there's two things that are demanded of us there. We must speak truth, but we must do it with love, and the word is agape love. Yeah. So it's self-giving love. It's love that wants to serve and put the other person first. So it's clear. If we're going to speak the truth in love, Dale Keane points this out. This has been a bugbear of mine for years in ministry, is that if we are going to speak truth as Christians, we must do it without hypocrisy. Hmm. And his point is, he's speaking obviously from the American point of view, where they've slammed homosexuality for years but the church has turned a blind eye to things like adultery mm. or sex before mm. marriage. And he's saying it's t we've got to become people who speak without hypocrisy. I realized this a long time ago, and I made a commitment a long time ago. If I'm going to talk about this issue, it's not going to be the only issue. I'm going to talk about sexual issues and what the biblical standard is. So when the, you don't just call out the one sin, and believe me, this gets you into some hairy areas. I, can, mm. I had the situation. I was 27, 28 years of age. There was a married girl in the church. She was in her 20s. Her husband was away on his job for six weeks at a time single guy in the church we noticed they started getting very pally Karen I didn't like that your warning bells I said you talk to her I'll talk to him hmm. we warned them next thing we find out we've warned them a week later they've slept together so she's committed adultery like it's just pff, the whole hmm. thing what do you do with that I'm 28 and the senior hmm. pastor has gone on sick leave not likely to come back and this guy was the son of a deacon in the church. Mm. Now, what am I going to do? Am I going to let this go? I can't. Mm. Do I like? No. Do I like the conflict that is about to come? No. <laughs> and I won't go into all. But we dealt with that, and we had to deal with it in a systematic way. But my point is this: that there would be some places where, if it was a homosexual issue, that's going to be slammed, but you might turn a blind eye to that. And believe me, at some point when through the discipline process with this young guy, I got some pressure put on me mm. about maybe starting to mm. ease up. But we had a plan that we had agreed to. We thought, no, we're sticking to it. Because we can't be hypocritical about this stuff. Now, let's put it on the other side. This is where the love factor comes in. Around that time, we had a, a, a couple coming to our church who were living together. You know, talking about the late 80s. And at some point, she's come back to her faith and he's come to Christ. 
and they're coming to church, but that's it. They're just coming to church and they're starting to get involved with our young adults and stuff. And another deacon said, what are we going to do? And I'm thinking, <laughs> I think, let's just leave it up to God. <laughs> it wasn't avoiding, wasn't avoiding the issue. What we decided, what we're saying, we're not going to come down heavy on them, hmm. okay? Here's the thing. They sat in that church. They came Sunday night by Sunday night for a year. They came to see me one day. And they said, we want to get baptized. And I thought, okay, this is going to be interesting because now we have to have the conversation. Mm. Do you know what yeah. they said? And this is where, this is, sometimes the wisdom is just leave it with God. They said, but before we do that, we know we've got to get married. It's balance, It's a balancing act between truth and love. But the thing I want to say is we've got to do this without hypocrisy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. L- let's let's take that a step further and let me let me ask you this, Rob. Um, if If one of our kids comes to us as a parent, and you know we we've brought them up in a Christian home, for example, whatever they've they've done their own thing, whatever they come to us and say, "Look, I've decided I'm gay." What's what's a healthy response? And when I say healthy, I mean that we can stay true to what we believe, mm. but we can also, as you said, speak the truth in love and keep the relationship. How do we handle that? The words I would have used around this. Uh, because I have given thought to this and my words would be around the lines of if it was my son or my daughter I'd be saying listen you know I don't agree with this but it's not going to change my love for you Mm. and you will always be accepted and loved that that that's the kind of language I would use absolutely whilst there hasn't been that issue there's been this one particular issue that comes up in my mind with my own kids we had a similar thing and but we've made it clear you will be accepted you will be loved uh, there'd be no and, and and a commitment to say I'm not going to be preaching to you about this all the time either I'm not going to be ramming it down your throat mm. so that, that's the kind of language I would use just recently as part of this series we had James Parker come and that question came up and he used some words that I thought were really great you know what he said He said, the question was what, what if my son or daughter comes home and says they want to transition and he said the first thing I would be saying to them is thank you for being so honest mm. and coming yeah. and telling and I thought what brilliant words. Yes. Because what, what brilliant words and loving them and accepting them because his story out of homosexuality is that a man in the church never judged him. He loved him. He wasn't afraid to give him a hug. Mm. He'd look him in the eye, all of that stuff. Mm. That's where we've got to start. Fantastic. Because let's be honest, as parents, we know this, right? When our kids have come to us as they grow up and they need to divulge certain things, uh, that might be a little uncomfortable for us to hear. Our initial response is crucial, absolutely, in making sure that they will come back to us in the future. Yeah, because if they f- suddenly feel like we've shut it down, or we've cut them off, or we've got angry at them, or we've embarrassed them, or whatever, they're not going to tell us a thing mm. in the future. They're no, just going to clam right. up. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know, the, the key thing is what we don't understand sometimes is how they're feeling about having to come to their parent and talk about whatever the issue is. You know, they're probably embarrassed. They're so uncomfortable. They feel they're letting their parents down. There's all sorts of emotional, you know, things that a young kid is dealing with, and we as adults, you know, often don't consider that. Right, and that's where the love thing comes in. We need to understand where they're at. We need to understand what, why they've got to where they are, and and just um, just be just love on them, yeah, and listen to them. Yeah, I, mm. I, I, can I move from 
from one P word of parenting to the other P word and the elephant in the room for a lot of guys, let's talk about pornography because, uh, you know, we, we can pretend mm-hmm. that it's not in the church, but that's, that's absolutely foolish thinking. Did you talk about this in, in the, the last few weeks at, at church in your sexual issues confronting Christians today? So funnily enough, no, that wasn't a big topic on this one. It, it was referred to, but I, I dealt with that more on the case for morality. I have talked about it before, though, uh, at Woodvale and in my previous church. And what I keep saying to men is to counsel them in uh, the need to talk to someone about this stuff, mm. but also exactly what you were saying, Tim, to point out we're kidding ourselves if we think this isn't a problem mm. in the church. It is mm. a massive problem. And it's it's getting younger and younger, and so you've got a generation growing up on iPhones and smartphones and all mm. the rest of it. So the exposure to it is happening just at an earlier age, so we have to address it. So I addressed it in the sense that I talked about it more in the general context of morality, but I have talked about it on other occasions. But mm. yeah, it's a massive problem. Mm. It, it's huge. For men listening right now who perhaps might be stuck in a pornography addiction, uh, uh, they don't know where to turn with that. They feel shame around that. They feel embarrassed about that, particularly if they're in the church. Uh, what would be your advice to them? And I know we've said go and find a, ma- a man, but again, sometimes there's a real stumbling block, isn't that, to being really brutally honest about where we're at with, sure. with this sort of stuff. Mm. I would also, an excellent website to go to is www.puredesire.org. Pure Desire is a ministry founded by Ted Roberts, who was a four-square pastor in the US. Uh, He was pastor of this church for many years, but he's now uh, more of a pastor teaching at large. But he has written a book called Pure Desire. I would say to guys, if you're struggling with this and you want to start to get some help, yes, you've got to talk to someone. Mm. You need that. But get yourself to that website or get a copy of the book and start reading it because it will open your eyes. And it, what it does is it shows, see, it's like all addictions. It's driven by something else. Mm. And mm. yes, this is a horrible addiction, but it's what's, it, it ex, what I like about Pure Desire is it gets into the nitty-gritty. The other one, and from an Australian perspective, which I completely endorse, is Alan Myers, mm. uh, what's it called? Valiant Man. Valiant Man. Yeah. Guys, yes. you can get the resources website valiant man you can get the resources you could start going through the videos yourself you might get a group of other guys together to go through it fantastic stuff because it deals with the real issues Hmm. that are underlying the addiction Hmm. let's just speak into that that piece of the whole shame thing because let's be honest it, it may be that a lot of guys listening right now who are struggling with this stuff they actually want to get out a they don't know how but b having that initial con conversation with someone and, and letting the walls down and being honest a with themselves first but then be with somebody else like that's a that's a massive moment in a man's life and that will often keep us stuck from actually getting free or starting the journey of, of freedom uh and again is it simply finding a mate finding a counselor finding a pastor and then can i ask from your perspective as a pastor how do you handle that if someone comes to you and says, look, this is where I'm at? Because we, we'd, we'd hope for love and acceptance and, uh, you know, let me walk you through this. But again, sometimes that's not the case. And that in itself, not knowing what response we're going to get from the other party, can hold men back from actually having the conversation. I reckon that's yeah. a good place to start with the answer, Tim, because I've heard stories like that 
I've heard that story many times. And I'm going to talk frankly about pastors where they've gone to a pastor and they've either been told, well, that's just normal. That makes me wonder what's going on right. in the pastor's head. To be considered normal. Yeah. To be, yeah, so that, that's one response. That's normal. The other one is where it's just brushed off or nothing gets done or it's left or the response might be, well, let's pray in the name of Jesus. And I mean, Ted Roberts is out of a Pentecostal background and he said, this stuff does not get healed by coming down the front and waving your hands over people <laughs> and saying, be healed in the name of Jesus. Mm. You've got to do some hard work. Mm. So I want to talk. Yes, look, we've been encouraging guys to go and find someone. I want to actually encourage those of us out there who might be the bloke who's approached. And your response has got to be one of not judgment. Hey, all of us struggle with sexual stuff. We all struggle. None of us mm. are immune to this. Mm. So listen to your friend and affirm them. It's much like the response we were talking about before. Thank you for having the guts to be honest with me. I say that to guys all the time. I want to thank you. It is a privilege that you've come here today to tell me your story. Thank you for having the guts. And I also tell them, you know what? You're halfway there. Mm. Because you, when you take the step, when they haven't been caught, when you take the step, you're halfway there. Mm. I want them to know this is going to be painful for you, but you know what? You're going to make it. Because you're halfway there. Mm -hmm. So the, and the other story that I, I never tire telling this story, and it comes from Ted Roberts, and it impacted me when I first heard it, and I tell it to guys all the time. He talks about the time he preached on this and addressed it in his church. He had six men who privately came to him to talk about the struggles they were having. And he sat in his office for probably an hour, listened to their stories, and he sat back and he said, Welcome to church. You finally made it. <laughs> when I say that to guys, I'm not just copying Ted Roberts. I mean it. Welcome to church. You finally made it. Yeah. Because that's what church is all about. Yeah. That's where that passage we looked at before, 1 Corinthians 6, Paul goes on and says, Such was some of you. Right. Yes. But, yeah. and three times he says, But, but you were sanctified, but you were washed, but you were justified. This is what Christ did for you. Mm. Welcome to church. Mm. We are out of time for this week's show, Rob. But uh, you know, we've we've delved into a very interesting and uh, tender topic, shall we say, um, of sexual issues confronting Christians today. I'm not sure that we we did that full justice, but we've scratched the surface of. I can come back. Some of the responses, <laughs> that, that, and some of the ways that we can handle this, and I think it, it is a great topic. And of course, it is ever changing too. And so um, we want to thank you, firstly, for your boldness and your, your willingness to go into this area with us. Um, and, you know, Des and I, we've done a, a fair few interviews on Momentum. I would argue that this has probably been one of the, the trickiest to navigate in those waters. Yeah. So I, I appreciate you stepping into that space with us today and for being so open and honest, not just this week, but also last week in your testimony as well. You've got a lot to offer men and uh, we'd, we'd love to actually get you back. If it would be bring you back, we'd love to paint some scenarios in, in detail and talk through how you would address those. That'd be really useful for men, I believe. Yeah. Happy, happy to do that. Yeah. Well, Phil Long has been our very special guest uh, this week. You can find this episode online in a few days' time. And, of course, check out the previous episode with Rob Furlong online at MomentumAustralia.org. We'd love your questions. We'd love your feedback about the show. Also, check out previous episodes too and some resources there that you can find, which we will put up from Rob as well, uh, online at the website MomentumAustralia.org to help you in your journey as men, as fathers. 
and as men of God as well. And if you'd like to support this ministry, we'd love to have uh, a few dollars come our way as well in support of Momentum to keep us on the air. Really appreciate that. MomentumAustralia.org. Uh, th- big thanks to my uh, my co-host as always, Des. Appreciate your input, mate. It's all good, man. It's, it's great. It's just, just the open and honesty today has been amazing. So I think men will appreciate that big time. And that is why Momentum exists, to have open or uh, raw honest conversations and again you can find more of those at momentumaustralia.org in the meantime we'll catch you next week on momentum until then you take care god bless you've been listening to momentum a show that helps men succeed in life for more information or to hear this week's show again go to momentumaustralia.org you can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at momentumaustralia.org until next time keep moving forward with momentum momentum